When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, beautiful people. This is Dr. John Lakey and Forever Young. I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. And today we have an exciting topic, especially for us males, but also for females. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to look at the evolution of hair transplantation. So firstly, I just wanted to thank everybody for following us. Hopefully you're learning something good each and every week. Um, I know we did take a, a break for uh, COVID, the COVID train, and now we're back at it. And, you know, I think the, the idea behind hair transplantation has changed so much over the last several decades. And now with this newer technologies, I'm excited to bring to you single follicular unit or follicular unit, uh, you know, extraction, hair transplantation. So... You know, I think uh, we're going to go over who's a candidate. What does this entail? What's the difference between, you know, the FUT and FUE, which is uh, our follicular unit transplantation versus follicular unit extraction? And uh, we'll look at some of the positives. It will take you through our pre and post ops uh, pre and post procedures to show you why we think our hair transplantation method is the best. So before we get into it, I'm going to just tell, us, tell you guys a quick story. Um, we were doing plastic surgery residency, and uh, my, my buddy sitting next to me here um, volunteered to do a hair transplant with, with the surgeon that we worked with that was very meticulous and incredibly slow. Dr. Leland Dean, yes. but he was, he, he was very meticulous and very good at what he did. And the, the way that we did things, this was 15 years ago, it's very different than now. And um, there's this stigma with, with hair transplantation. And, and for those of you that are listening, um, there's this big whack in the back of your head to take a strip of skin and hair that would sometimes really leave a horrible scar and everyone can see it because people would shave their heads in the back and then you see this big line. And the other thing would be, it would be a very tedious and a very long surgery. I just can remember John coming out of that, looking at me and saying, <laughs> I am never, ever, ever, ever going to do that again. Oh man. I'll tell you, we sat there for hours uh, basically taking the strip of thousands of follicles and separating each one or two. Um, you know, it was a little different back then. You know, for those of you who've been living under a rock and didn't realize that hair transplantation was a, was a potential, um, I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and, and we'll take a step backwards as far as some of the minimally invasive, so non-invasive, minimally invasive, and then move into hair transplantation procedures just so we can talk about some of the options that are out there. And, and 
We're generally referring to people who have androgenic alopecia. That is essentially male pattern baldness. Now, it can affect females as well. This sometimes is not for those that have, uh, you know, alopecia totalis or some of the other issues where you're born without hair. Um, this is for people who really have uh, it, it thick enough hair that's in the back and sides of the scalp. So, listen... Many of us can start balding, especially as males, as early as our 20s. Uh, usually it's more of a genetic thing. This is an X-linked trait that goes off of your mother's father. I and, should be bald. <laughs> and uh, the idea is, uh, you know, this is the holy grail. We want to preserve hair because it, it essentially equates to youth. And, uh, you know, the first thing right off the bat is prevention. So obviously, um, you know, we look at certain things that you can do early on that may help preserve some of the hairs you have. And that means not using, you know, certain shampoos, caustic agents on your hair, uh, you know, very oily compounds, uh, because sometimes it basically blocks the follicle. The second thing, obviously, hydration, because obviously the scalp will require uh, hydration as well. So in fight or flight, uh, obviously your blood is going to go towards your major organs and not your scalp. Um, but you can imagine if this happens over chronically over a long period of time, that's why stress always people have this vision of you losing hair. Um, it is a thing and it can happen after surgery as well. Uh, there are certain nutrients. Uh, keratin is one of the major proteins that's in hair. And so, uh, the other thing that we look at as we age is that there is the formation of a what I'd like to call a, a bad hormone called dihydrotestosterone, DHT. And uh, sometimes it can happen you, when we have excess sugar uh, ingestion. Um, it can happen as we age. You know, really, testosterone and DHEA, dihydroepiandrostenedione, this is uh, an important hormone. But if it's converted to DHT, that's when we get uh, follicle uh, shrinking and loss. So the idea is for prevention, uh, you know, one of our go-tos is a line called Kintsugi. There's a product called Karanu. And, uh, you know, there are several different brands that are out there. This just happens to be our favorite. And so, uh, you know, we, we look some of the ingredients in there like saw palmetto, uh, which was originally designed to give for prostate issues. We realized ended up thickening up the hair. And so it prevented DHT from forming. I'm actually going to take mine right now. I know. Listen, this is something that we take every single day. There are two compounds out there, one with our Beverly Hills MD formula called Dermal Repair Complex, but there's one that's designed specifically for hair and nails and uh, down the pipe. Uh, and this one is the Kara Nu by Kintsugi. And, uh, and that's you know, spelled K-I-N-T. S-U-G-I. Yes, this old uh, Japanese phenomenon, which is a, a word that's for an art form where they take these cracked uh, ceramic vases and they repair them, but the veins are all gold. So the idea is that they're making something more beautiful and stronger, uh, you know, after the repair. So I uh, think great concept, um, but we love the active ingredients in this. So that is something that I can say you can start as early as your 20s, and that will help you preserve the hair that you have. Uh, 
you know, then, you know, if we start moving into some of the minimally invasive things, you know, maybe you can touch on Dr. Daniel Poor, what your recommendations are as far as, you know, sure. uh, so, you know in, the, in the scalp. So, so we want to do something to stimulate, you know, blood flow um, to the scalp because more blood flow means, you know, you get, you get more blood flow to the follicles and then you have more hair growth and, and something like minoxidil that's been around for a long time. It's just a topical vasodilator. It just basically increases blood flow to the area. Um, problem is when you stop using it, the effects are gone. Um, that's something you can buy over the counter now, but more, more so something that we do in this practice very frequently and people really love it. Um, is something called just injections of PRP, mm-hmm. platelet-rich plasma. And now you can even do platelet-rich fibrin, which has even more um, density of the stem cells. It's just taking your own blood, spinning it down, and then taking the, the platelet-rich uh, plasma, which is what we call liquid gold, and then just injecting it directly into the scalp. Um, some studies show by, by microneedling it, uh, you get good results too. But however, I, you know, what I notice is for us, we treat a lot of people um, that have hair but they want to prevent it from really getting worse. Um, I just in, you know, took care of this, this big hairstylist in LA, very famous one. She's got more hair than you've ever seen in your life. And she comes in and she goes, I love doing PRP because it makes me feel like my hair is getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I go, but you have so much hair. She goes, but it's even better. I feel like I've got baby hairs growing. And anyone that I've injected over the last, maybe, I'm, we've been doing this for years, I have people repeat customers. I normally tell them three sessions, six weeks apart, and you're good for the year. It's completely natural. And that's one thing people love. We're not giving you anything that's not your own body. Take your own blood, spin it down, and just inject it into into your scalp. You know, it is not the holy grail. It is not a hair transplant, but it does help kind of wake up some dormant hair cells. Yeah, listen, I, everything, I would love to say that we have things that can actually grow hair. Um, but to date, uh, listen, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, you know, we, we are in search of the holy grail. Will stem cells eventually show us some promise? Maybe, but there's not enough data to, to support it right now. In the meantime, it is normal to lose 50, anywhere from 50 to 150 hairs a day. It sounds like a lot, but it's actually not because, uh, you know, a full head of hair, we've got, you know, 20,000 or more different follicles. Uh, the idea, or even more, 20 to, uh, to 30,000. And so the idea is there are three different phases to hair growth, the hair cycle. There is an antigen phase, which really where the hair grows. There's a plateau phase where the hair just sits there. And there's a telogen phase where the hair falls out. Every single treatment that we are about to give you outside of hair transplantation only increases the antigen phase and decreases the telogen phase. So it thickens the hair. If I can make a hair appear thicker, obviously, overall you're going to look like you have thicker hair, right? The second thing is, if I can keep your hair from falling out and more hairs are still growing, your hair is going to look thicker. So by no means am I saying that any of these treatments will grow new hair. You either have the follicle or you don't. Some of the follicles, as Dr. Daniel Poor said, are dormant. And so we can awaken some of those. We keep them in the antigen phase and we decrease the telogen phase. So that's why... We do things to stimulate the antigen phase 
and slow down the telogen phase. That's where minoxidil comes into play. Propecia is a medicine that we give that actually does that. Uh, the Caranu that I talked about, anything with saw palmetto in it. The thick and full brow enhancing serum that we have because, listen, people lose hair follicles in their eyebrows. Uh, you know, you can fill in little patches here and there um, selectively. And there are certain medicines that also do the same thing. And that's where Latisse, as well as the Thick and Full Brow Enhancing Serum, um, you know, those will, will do the trick. So we talked about the Karenu. We talked about Minoxidil. We talked about Propecia. We talked about PRP injections and scalp microneedling. Now is when we get to the big leagues. And this is really where uh, our hair transplantation comes into play. So traditionally, as Dr. Daniel Poor had spoken about, FUT or follicular unit uh, transplantation was often performed. That was the one that, that was the initial story where I was with Dr. Dean and we separated thousands of follicles uh, as best we could. But even then, we would probably separate them into four follicles mm -hmm. and then you would reimplant those. The problem is it gave a very unnatural quote-unquote cornrow appearance. And, uh, you know, we call them plugs because that's ultimately what they were. Well, we have newer technology now, and I think I'll let you comment on that. And, and the problem with the old way of doing it, like you just said, it was very obvious that you had a hair transplant. People that had hair transplants, it was just... Everyone knew because they looked like plugs. Mm -hmm. It looked like four hairs were plugged into each area. And there was a, you know, and there is an art, really a true art behind this because the way we shape your, for example, your hairline for a man, you don't want it to look abrupt. You want it to look very natural. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really key. Good hair transplantation, you want to make it blend. You want to make it look natural. You don't want there to be an abrupt line of just hair because then it just doesn't look right. Definitely. And that was a big problem and, and, and a big problem for a lot of people to get this done. Um, not to really mention, like I already did before, it involves a big scar. And what ends up happening is people that do have androgenic alopecia, over time, they'll go completely bald. And when they do, the scar in the back of your head is obvious as well. So now you got a scar and you have plugs. It just it just doesn't look good. Yeah, so, it's a bad combo. <laughs> so the interesting part about it is, you know, the the concept of hair transplantation is very similar to a skin graft. Um, and for for those of you that are in med school or in, or in residency or want to be plastic surgeons, it's almost the same thing. The difference is when you transplant a hair unit, you don't transplant the epidermis. Or the dermis. You just take a follicular unit. So you're just putting that in and then you're asking it to be a graft. So basically taking it from one area and putting it in another and then hoping you're going to get enough blood flow to the area that it's going to actually revascularize and then work. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break.
I'm going to kind of bring you through our practice, how we deal with hair transplantation, what to expect in the beginning, and then we can talk about, you know, our post-procedure instructions and and things like that that we recommend and, and why we think that our technique is going to be better than most because um, there are certain fine details that are necessary. Uh, can anyone do this? Yes. Can anyone do it well? No. And, um, and even take it one step further, you can do it, ext- the, you know, the transplantation extremely well, but you have to have those hair follicles survive. And so there are a few things that we do a little differently and hopefully, you know, we'll give you some of our secrets and, uh, and, and you can take it from there. Absolutely. So for us, we tend to use an automatic type of extraction uh, machine, and I don't have to give any brands or anything like that. But um, for us, you know, there is robotic transplantation. It it tends to be a little more uh, cumbersome and slower, although it is great for uh, people who are just starting out to do hair transplantation. Uh, But the idea is that we have an automatic machine, so essentially... For those of you that come in, what we do is we shave the sides and the back of the hair. Now, uh, for those, there are surgeons in the area, they call it a celebrity hair transplantation where they don't do any uh, hair uh, uh, shaving or anything like that. That can be done, but you can obviously only take, you know, add uh, a smaller finite amount of grafts due to the fact that you can't see that well. In general... We'll say to get the biggest bang for your buck. The idea is you want to get at least 2,000, if not 2,500 or more grafts. And the, we really want to thicken up the area because you only want to really do this once if you can. If it is very thin, uh, your hair is very thin, then you may need multiple sessions. You know, you, you obviously have to have enough donor area in order to transplant to somewhere else, right? You, the last thing you want to do is take you know, Rob, Peter, pay Paul, and you don't have enough uh, uh, Peter. So I think that uh, the the idea is we assess you, make sure that you've got an adequate donor site. We plan for a day's worth uh, of you being here. Usually what we'll do is we will start you on a particular product. Uh, for us, we love Caranu because it automatically preserves the follicles that you have and it serves, it It cuts out that bad hormone that we talked about. So the idea is we want to create the best possible environment for your grafts to make it. Absolutely. Now, what we like doing differently during the procedure is this. Number one, people ask us if this is painful, if we put people under general anesthesia, how this works. Number one, it's done in our operating room with no general anesthesia. We have a few different things. We do have something called Pronox. Okay, it's, it's basically can put you in a in a euphoric mood, um, kind of like what you get in and it's laughing gas that you get at the dentist. That's the first thing. Second thing is to some patients we do give them a narcotic pain medicine and a tiny. Um, anti-anxiety medicine to kind of chill them out if they want it mm-hmm. because it does require you know multiple injections into the scalp to get the scalp numbed up. The one thing we do very differently is we give a, a vitamin drip with IV hydration. What's really important for these follicles to take 
is hydration. Mm -hmm. The more hydrated you are, the better the blood flow to the scalp, the better the take to, to the, uh, the actual transplantation. So that's one thing we've noticed that we do a little differently that really helps and also keeps you really happy. And we put specific nutrients in there. Really, again, we want to create the best possible environment for your hair transplantation, not only for you to be comfortable, hydrated, but also for uh, to give the best possible chance for each one of those transplants to work. And, and we tell people, have a very light breakfast, come on in. We normally start this, the transplantation between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning, and you're normally done by 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Um, you take a lunch break, you sit up and have a nice lunch that we'll provide for you. Um, it's very comfortable. The first half of the day is harvest, and the second half of the day is transplantation. Mm -hmm. So individually, like Dr. Lakey just said, we use a machine that individually takes out hair follicle one by one. And normally anywhere between, depending on what you're, where you're doing and what your goals are, um, most of our full day hair transplantations are about 2,000 to, to 2,500 uh, follicles. And after that, these hairs are individually taken and then meticulously placed exactly where we want them to improve whatever area the person has hair loss. So there were a couple of things that went wrong. Obviously, we talked about with follicular unit transplantation. That's where you put the plugs in. And it really was that the hair is from the back of the head and the side of the head are relatively coarse. So if I'm trying to lower a hairline, uh, you know, and that's one of the things that we do. We we draw in the hairline, and then we look at the the direction that the hairs are going. But where it went wrong was that if I'm trying to lower hairline and I put in those thick hairs right off the bat, uh, it looks very abrupt. Well, believe it or not, using this new technology, so you know these tiny punches. When we look at the follicles under our loops or magnifying uh, glasses. Each of these follicles are actually split into three or four because that's really what happens. The follicles group together. And imagine splitting these so they are so light. And, uh, and uh, you know, again, these are isolated follicles that are placed. And we place them irregularly along the pattern of a hairline. So when these eventually grow in naturally, it looks natural. It follows the pattern of your existing hairline. Uh, you know, and we do this in conjunction with our techs, and I'll put our techs up against anyone. I think that to isolate these things, you know, um, is really a work of art. And we can create a cowlick. That's how detailed we can get. So, and... I also have to know that I have to calculate a certain amount of graphs in order to fill in a certain area. So if someone comes in and they, you know, we use what's called the Norwood classification and it's male pattern baldness. It can occur in females as well, um, but it's receding hairline first. Then, uh, you know, we, a little bit of the vertex of the scalp, which is the crown. And then, uh, you know, they both coalesce into a bald area. As you get deeper and deeper into this, uh, into balding, the idea is 2,500 grafts isn't going to uh, fill the complete top of the head. It's impossible. So we set people up, you know, again, the last thing we want to do is set us up for failure. We want to show you that you're going to get the best possible result with what we have. So some people say, all right, well, listen, don't lower my hairline, but make sure that the top of my head is very thick. 
that is easier to do than to try to spread all the hairs out over the, the scalp, um, although we can do that. Or you can set them up for, like a lot of people do, for another hair transplant. Mm-hmm. And I know you were going to say that, so keep going. Yeah, I think, listen, and, and how often can we do that? Obviously, you want to do those at least a year apart. Um, you know, sometimes even two years because the hairs will grow. So we'll, we'll, we'll tell you the general pattern of what to expect. So let's say we're sitting in the chair. We've now placed 2,500 grafts into strategic areas that can help maximize the thickness of the hair, or at least the visualization. Now comes the tough part. This is where we have to manage, you know, imagine you've got enriched soil because we've given you the nutrients in an IV. We've started you on Karanu. Many people, uh, you know, have already been on Propecia. Some of those things, uh, you know, the the stimulants will essentially stop uh, immediately, you know, the day of the procedure. And, um, you know, the, the idea is you obviously can't, you know, jump in the shower right away because imagine these are like freshly planted bulbs. You aren't going to wash away your crops. You're going to let them implant. And a lot of times it's five to seven days. Uh, the idea is that after the seven days, usually the we're using a spray bottle. Um, you know, if you itch a little bit, sometimes we'll put place a, a tiny bit of conditioner in there just to soften up some of the tiny little scabs that are there. Um, but really, you have to be as gentle as you possibly can. At about seven days, you know, seven, eight days, something like that, then it's okay for us to wash our hair. But still, we recommend using a cup where you just gently wash the hair. Uh, And again, we're not using baby shampoo. Uh, You know, you can gently wash with warm water. We don't want extremes of cold or hot. Um, And usually this will occur. uh, You keep, you know, as gentle as you possibly can for another week. Then you can start washing your hair normally. By then, we know that uh, whatever grafts are going to be there are have embedded themselves into your scalp. At about three to five weeks, you develop what's called shock loss, and that's where you know anywhere from sixty to eighty percent, if not a hundred percent, of the grafts will fall out. And this is where we get a phone call from every patient, <laughs> every everyone, every single one. You've had a conversation with them. You tell them this is going to happen. And they call you like everything's gone. What happened, mm-hmm. guys? Whether you do it here or you do it anywhere else, this is what happens. This is the normal progression of hair transplantation. Shock loss is something that happens to everyone. You lose all the grafts. You feel like it, you did this for no reason. And then they all fall out. They all fall out. But the good part is it's kind of like tulips, I believe, that once you plant the bulbs and, you know, again, the bulb remains and it will grow. But this time it comes in naturally. So, um, Usually we see, again, from three to five weeks, falls out. By three to six months, you start seeing some growth. But remember, this is a long-term gain, uh, you know, and game. The idea is that we have to wait it out by a year, sometimes even up to 18 months. This is when you see the full potential of how many graphs have made it. Now, at the four-week mark, and I know you were going to say the same thing, but um, this is where we recommend, uh, you know, minoxidil is one of those products, uh, Rogaine, that, that has been used for a long time. 
again, I go back to Kintsugi because they have an awakening scalp mist that has a compound called Redensil. This has 1.8 times the efficacy of minoxidil. So at four weeks, we start using the awakening mist because what does it do? It thickens the hair. It, it improves the antigen phase, prevents hair from falling out. So right when you need it most, when everything starts falling out, this is especially when we want to thicken up the hair. So we use that. And honestly, uh, you know, that is something that I would use for the year, if not indefinitely. It's one of those things that can only improve the quality and texture of your hair. Absolutely. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's PlasticsDocs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. And a couple of, of like very commonly asked questions. One of them is, is, can I go back to work and how fast can I go back to work? Mm-hmm. Um, most people, honestly, after three days, they're fine. The problem is if, if you are uncomfortable with the appearance of having the, your, the back of your head shaved or, you know, showing that, you know, because the little areas that are, that are harvested, those heal so fast, you just have a shaved head in the back. And the front actually looks really presentable four or five days later. Um, it all depends again and how much swelling you have. We have a, a dear friend who had this done recently and we've actually seen his progression the whole time. And I'll be honest with you, he looked amazing three days after. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can put a light hat on, nothing very heavy, but you can put like a little, you know, we like to say like a scrub cap or something to cover it up in the sense that you don't want everyone to see it. Um, but you're generally feeling pretty good and back to normal three to four days later. Yeah, we listen. Um, some of the issues that we are concerned about, obviously, pressure, abrasion. So you know, uh, um, you know, any type of rubbing motion that can pull the grafts out, and infection. So we do give our patients antibiotics. Um, you know, again, a light hat or scrub hat because it doesn't really touch the scalp. And then by eight days, it's okay to wear a baseball hat, something a little lighter that's mm-hmm. not going to be extremely tight. Because again, compression means you rid the blood supply. We are trying to combat that. Uh, you know, we want as much blood supply as possible. The last thing is we can't be aggressive and wash and scrub our hair or let the shower pour on our hair. Uh, you know, I would say for the first, you know, some people say five to seven days. For us, we're conservative. We'd say two weeks because the idea is uh, you don't want the shower to wash out your new, newly grafted uh, follicles. Absolutely. You know, a couple of other like very common questions is I'll get someone here with with androgenic alopecia, male pattern baldness. They're, they've got minimal hair, you know, at the top of their head, but they have good hair in the back. And the question is, well, why is this hair that I'm going to take from the back and put in the front going to make it? And it's really interesting because, um, and again, it's one of the most common questions. Well, that's ridiculous. You're going to put it in an area that I've had all this hair loss and it's not going to work. Well, it's actually called donor dominance. And and it's a theory that was brought up by by a um, a New York dermatologist who was the first guy that did this. And he showed that the hair follicles that have made it through your hair loss are actually 
much more dominant and they're actually going to last. So if you take those and put them somewhere else, they're going to make it. Whereas if you used hair that was from the front, that was thinning, that wasn't doing well and transplanted that, the chances are it's not going to do as well. So, and we've shown through many, many, many studies, scientific papers that those hairs are significantly stronger than others. So that's, that's one thing that a lot of people ask and, and they say that. And the other thing is, again, what John said is you have to be patient. Hair transplantation works really well. I know people that have come through this practice and I know friends of mine and that have done multiple that have done three, that have done four. I had a guy from Saudi Arabia that came in and did his eighth here. He'd done seven elsewhere over the past 10 years. If you would have seen a picture of him, he was completely bald. Now he had a full head of hair. Now it's dedication and it costs a lot of money, but he wanted hair and he has it. Now, this does not just apply to the hair on your head. Eyebrows, eyelashes, as Dr. Lakey talked about. If you have no hair on your head, you actually can take hair from your body and put it on your head. It's very uncommon, but it is something that has been done and has been described and, it's, and, it, and it is another option. Um, female hair, hair transplantation, we do as well. Do it a little bit differently because we don't want to completely shave the head and we, we're, we get a little creative. But there's a lot of women that have hair thinning and it just renews their confidence. So it, it can be applied to multiple different ways. One of the things that I think we have to really make mention of is the fact that we have to set appropriate expectations. Um, you know, depending on who comes in, I know that uh, I can give you a scenario of a, you know, 35, almost 40-year-old gentleman comes in, has had previous hair transplantation, wishes to have more. Thin hair, you know, has moved midway through that Norwood classification that we originally talked about, and, and uh, the entire scalp is really thin. Now, you have to imagine that we are going to graft as many as we can, right? But some of these individuals are still losing hair. That's why our, the post-procedure regimen is so important. That's why using the Awakening Mist or the Karanu or uh, Propecia or something to help preserve the hairs that you already have. If you choose not to do that, you know, some people have to do PRP injections mm -hmm. and some people have to, you really have to stimulate hair. You're still going to lose hair. And so if you're in the peak of losing your hair, meaning, uh, you know, they're coming out left and right and you come to get a hair transplantation, that is not going to stop. The transplanted hairs will stay, but the existing native follicles are still going to leave. So we have to do something to preserve those. And sometimes it's simply not possible. You can throw the kitchen sink at it and it's just, listen, it is what it is. That's mm -hmm. what's going to happen. The other thing that you have to consider is people who come in, let's say they have acne scarring. And it means that likely very oily skin, oily scalp, and it means they likely had, uh, you know, same amount of acne in the scalp. That leads to scar tissue. Now, we originally talked about creating the perfect bed for your, uh, your tulip bulbs. If that dirt has zero nutrients, I don't care what you transplant in there. I don't care what you throw at it. You can inject with PRP. You can do give uh, the awakening mist, Karenu, you the whole thing. They are not going to make it. It just doesn't have the appropriate ground soil for your bulb to make it. So these are things that have to be looked at as the physician. 
and just relayed to the patient. It's not that you're undergoing a procedure in vain. It's that you have to be prepared for the, those particular risks. So let's just kind of go over this just in a nutshell and, and, and review everything. The new type of hair transplantation is called single follicular unit. So basically what you're doing is taking one hair at a time and then retransplanting it. The benefits are multifold. Number one, it's an easier operation for you because you're not cutting a big, big area of your scalp and stitching it back up. There are no scars, zero. Nobody will ever know you have a hair transplantation as long as it's done with some artistry in the sense that it's not a straight line and it has a nice hairline to it. Number three, the area that you take the hair from is a lot healthier than the area that you're transplanting it to. Therefore, the hairs will survive. Number four, be patient, be patient, be patient. This is not a breast augmentation where we put an implant in and you immediately see the results. This is a work in progress in which it takes time. Don't get discouraged when the hairs fall out because they will fall out and then they'll come back. Number five, you may need it again and you may need more. And some people depends on what their goals are. And Dr. Lakey said it perfectly. Expectations should be set so you understand what you're getting yourself into. Number five, look at before and after photos. We can show you before and afters that really look great, that work, that you can actually see proof is in the pudding. Complication rates, very, very low. I'll get into that in a second. And the, and the actual treatment is so comfortable that you don't need anesthesia, meaning you don't need to be put to sleep. You put on very, very light sedation and some pain medicine and you get through it. You're so comfortable that you break for lunch. This can be done for brows. It can be done for hair loss in other areas. And it could be done just for general male pattern baldness or for females as well. Now, we will talk about what kind of what you can expect if there are any complications, and most of the complications are very, very little. Most common complications an infection, and we treat that. We've always treated it with, with antibiotics. We'll make sure that you know the antibiotics are, are to your choice and you're not allergic to them. Um, there's a very rare complication. Um, we haven't seen it yet, but it's a funny one, so <laughs> I figured you, we bring it up, and it's postoperative hiccups after you have this procedure done. And weirdly, it basically is because there's a nerve in the back that, that can either be transplanted on or it can be injected that then communicates to another nerve that then controls your diaphragm, which is ultimately what causes the hiccups. They're self-limiting and they will go away. So if you know anyone that has had hiccups after hair transplantation, um, it will go away. Yep, don't worry. It's, no, it's a, a not normal, but it is a possible uh, potential uh, outcome after hair transplantation. So... Listen, I hope that you guys learned something new. And uh, for those of you who are interested in single follicular unit or FUE tra hair transplantation, definitely give us a call here. Uh, if you can't make it to Beverly Hills, find someone who does perform the FUE treatment, not traditional FUT. And, uh, you know, we've used it for those of you who are undergoing this hair transplantation with someone else. I would highly consider using some of the peri procedure recommendations that we've given. Some of the products, uh, you know, again, you can choose whatever brand you want. We're just, uh, you know, endorsing ones that we feel work the best. And in any case, uh, you know, keep your questions coming. So, 
Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Daniel Poor. You can listen to us on your iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.